Why don't I pray, and we'll jump in. So Holy Spirit, we thank you. God, even as Derek was, was saying earlier, Lord, we, we just acknowledge, we recognize your presence here in this place. I breathe you in, God. Father, I ask that this morning that you would stir our hearts with faith for what you're doing, for what you desire to do. Lord, we just give you this time. Let me bless your name. Amen. All right, let's see if this works. Ha! Yes. It's always good when technology works. So I want to talk today about cultivating expectancy without expectations. Uh, probably more realistically, cultivating expectancy without unhealthy expectations. Um, I think a lot of times in our desire to hunger for God, we actually box God in by thinking that we know what it's going to look like or what it should look like. And a lot of times those ideas are actually really legit and they're biblical. Um, but what I've found in my own journey, and this is something that the Lord's been really challenging me on the last few months, um, is areas where my expectations or my, my expectancy for him has actually turned into some unhealthy expectations that have led to my heart actually being shut down more than open. And, um, and so I just want to talk about that today. So before I jump in, um, just a little funny note. I'm going to try not to like go too off in this direction, but just a fun fact. Before I moved here to take this position as a worship director, at risk, I was actually en route to going to school to get a master's degree in counseling, marriage and family counseling. And anytime you talk about things like expectations and you have a history in like psychology and counseling, it can kind of go in that direction a little bit. So some of what I'm going to say might even apply to like personal relationships with people, um, but it really is about the Lord. Um, but I just think that's really funny. As I was preparing these notes, I was like, Lord, <clears throat> help me not be like I'm in a counseling session. Because uh, that's not what they asked me to do. Um, and that's not what I'm qualified for. I never did go to school. But, um, <clears throat> but anyways, um, yeah, so let's just jump in. Um, let's start by talking about what expectancy is. So I just Googled this. This, isn't, this is like the Google dictionary. Um, so expectancy is defined as the state of thinking or hoping that something, especially something pleasant, will happen or be the case. So it's really good for us to approach the Lord with expectancy. Because we know that we have no good thing apart from him. And that in him, there's nothing but good stuff. <laughs> like he came to give life and life abundant. He came to bless us with every blessing that we could ever imagine, exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. And so we should always approach the Lord with expectancy, thinking or hoping, genuinely believing that something pleasant will happen. Because that's his nature. Expectation is a belief that someone will or should achieve something. So it's kind of like, it's very slight, the difference between these two things. And so I'm hoping that this doesn't, it's not confusing to anybody. But expectancy is this desire of like, anything can happen and it's gonna be good. And expectation is, I'm expecting the good thing that's gonna happen to look like this. It should happen a certain way. You guys see the difference? So I want to kind of break down these two things from a biblical standpoint because the reality is, is that even when we come 
with expectancy, the Lord has actually outlined in scripture so many things that enable us to actually come to him with expectation too, like straight up expectations. And so we're gonna talk about that a little bit today as well. But I wanna, I wanna talk about the power of expectations because I don't want you to hear me wrong and think that all expectations are bad. And so we're gonna take a few minutes and talk about actually how really beneficial and good they are, and really necessary they are. Um, so first, <clears throat> I just outlined some points on what I think healthy expectations um, produce. So the first is encouragement. They, they encourage excitement and anticipation. So a healthy expectation should stir up excitement. It should stir up anticipation for something to happen. Okay, really any expectation should do this. Um, we're gonna talk about healthy versus unhealthy. So I'll explain a little bit more of that in a second. But, um, and just so you know, this list, I didn't get it from anywhere but my brain, but it did come after a lot of studying and pulling from different resources. So, um, um, so the second thing is healthy expectations foster safety and trust in a relationship. And thirdly, healthy expectations safeguard from offense. I wanna take a look at a scripture. It's actually really funny. Uh, I never saw this passage this way, um, but I'm just going to read to you guys from Luke 24. I don't have it on the slides because I want you to just listen. Um, if you really need to follow along, if that'll help you focus, just look it up in your Bible. That's fine. Um, but Luke 24, 28 through 35, um, I wrote 53 there, but it's actually 35. Um, but there is a 53, so you could just read to the end of the chapter um, because it's really great. Um, <laughs> they're actually, actually, you know, I might go down there. Maybe it wasn't a typo. Maybe I'm just remembering wrong. Okay, anyways, I'm going to start reading. <laughs> Good news, guys. I'm human. Um, okay, so this is the story of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Actually, I think, was it last week that you were talking about this story, Kyle? Um, yeah, so this is after Jesus rose from the dead, but his disciples haven't, he hasn't revealed himself to his disciples yet. And so it says, they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he, Jesus, acted if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's toward the evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? And while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was no made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as I was reading this passage, I was just really surprised because I was like, you know, throughout Jesus' like whole ministry and whole, like the three years before he died, when he was like building relationship with his disciples, he told them everything that was about to happen. Everything. He set them up to have the most healthy expectations. Like he straight up said, listen, this is what's gonna go down. They're gonna hate me. They're gonna persecute me. They're even gonna kill me, but don't worry because in three days, the Lord's gonna raise me up and I'm gonna be with you and it's gonna be great. So like literally, Jesus is the healthiest person to ever have a relationship with. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> We have no need to be afraid of having unhealthy expectations if we actually just take him at his word. Um, so what I love about this is that, you know, the disciples had the potential to be like hurt or offended, like, man, Jesus died. Like I thought he said he was gonna be with us even to the end of the age, like what's going on here? And 
all of a sudden, like he's with them, talking with them. He reveals himself to them and they're like, whoa. And so what I love about this is that you actually see all three of these keys in this story. And you know what? I'm actually, just for fun, I'm gonna read down verse 50. Uh, verse 50. It says, then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. It's right after this, by the way, that it was, or actually it was during this, this whole, that in-between chunk where Jesus was talking to them about what he was about to do uh, at Pentecost. And so Jesus, all along the way, he tells them everything that's about to happen to stir up healthy expectation. And what does it do? It creates excitement and anticipation. They got so excited. They were like, oh my goodness, the Lord has risen. Let's gather everybody. Like we have to tell the disciples. He, he really did appear. He really did show, him to, show himself to us. And, and then it says that they worshiped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple blessing God. So there was this excitement, this anticipation of like, oh, you really did do what you said you were gonna do. And you really are who you say you are. It fostered safety and trust. They actually were able to go into Pentecost. They were able to go into the upper room having so much more expectancy because they were able to trust Jesus because everything that he had previously said had just come to pass, just like he said it did or it would. And it safeguards them from offense. If they chose to actually believe him, to take him at his word and to see him standing right in front of them, their hearts have no reason to be offended. There's no need to accuse Jesus of not doing what he said he would do or anything like that. And so I just love how even within this, this little chunk of scripture, we actually see how Jesus set his disciples up to have really healthy expectations. And when they took him at his word and they realized that, all these three things happen. So let's look at unhealthy expectations. Um, and as I'm talking about unhealthy expectations here, um, you know I'll get back to that. Okay, unhealthy expectations, they can enable doubt and cynicism. If you have an unhealthy expectation, I'll, I'll, unhealth, by unhealthy, what I mean is oftentimes like when we have an unhealthy expectation, it's really, it's an expectation that's not very realistic. It's an expectation that we project upon somebody without them having clearly communicated it to us. And oftentimes what happens is the expectation is unmet. And what we like to do is push the blame for the unmet expectation on the person who didn't do the thing that we expected them to do. But in reality, they never told us to expect it in the first place. It was our own ideas of what could have or should have been. Remember that definition? The belief that something should or will happen. And so oftentimes we can actually box the Lord in by going, I'm expecting you to do this, but he's like, hey, I never told you that I was like that, or I never told you it would be like that. And so we expect it to look a certain way and it doesn't happen. And all of a sudden we're flooded with doubt. We're flooded with cynicism. Like, you're right, you're not who you say you are. <laughs> if you were, it should have happened like this. So having an unhealthy expectation, which again, an unhealthy expectation is an expectation that's, that's really, you're, you're creating something that is setting you up for the expectation to be unmet. Secondly, unhealthy expectations promote distrust and sickness. Now this is not just emotional, but also physical. Like there's so much science that shows that when we have unmet expectations, even scripturally, we're gonna look at it in just a second, it, it can literally like 
ne- like negatively affect not just our emotions, but our emotions being negatively affected can actually ter- translate into disease and sickness in our physical bodies. I don't have time to go into the studies, but just Google it. I'm, I'm telling you, it's out there. And thirdly, unhealthy expectations and power offense and bitterness. If I'm expecting you to do something and you don't do it, or maybe you do it, but you don't do it the way that I expected that you would do it, of course I'm going to be offended. <laughs> you didn't come through. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. <laughs> of course that offense is going to be able to take root and turn into bitterness inside of me, which guess what? Offense and bitterness, it's like the cyclical thing that just helps enable more doubt and more cynicism. It helps to promote more distrust, not just in that relationship with that individual, but with every individual, creating more sickness and disease, not just in your emotions and your thinking, but translating into your physical body. And we wonder why we're walking around as a church, battling with all sorts of sickness and disease and depression and all the things that even Kyle was just sharing. I love that testimony. That was so crazy. They followed a biblical principle. Like the Lord says, hey, I'm gonna bless you if you do this thing. And they were like, you know what? Let's actually try that. They do it. And what happens? Physical health comes to their son because the Lord promised blessing and they actually took him seriously. The Lord equipped them to have a healthy expectation. They took him seriously. They acted upon it. And guess what? It was met because the Lord is good because he never fails to meet the expectations that we have of him that align with scripture and what he said he would do. John 1.10 um, is in John 1 that, where it says that, that Jesus, it was talking about Jesus, how he came to the world. And it says that they did not even recognize him. He came to his own and they did not recognize him. How many of us know, like anybody who knows the story of Jesus and him coming knows that there was a whole lot of people who didn't think that when Jesus came, he was actually the Messiah that had been prophesied. Even to this day, there's so many, especially Jewish men and women who have read all of the prophecies. But in their reading of the prophecies, they had a certain image of what Jesus was supposed to look like. They, they actually projected their own ideas of what he was gonna look like into the scripture. And it translated into some really unhealthy expectations. And he came and they didn't even recognize him because he wasn't what they expected. He wasn't who they expected. What happened? We see this in the life of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Every single thing that they do and say all throughout the gospels, it's full of doubt and cynicism. It's full of distrust. It's full of sickness. It's full of bitterness and offense. Not only within them, but then they actually like the people that they're leading, it actually translates to them as well. They actually stir it up amongst the people all because they created some idea of what he should look like. And when he was right before them going, here I am, they couldn't even see him. And it's not because the Lord did not equip them. It's not because he didn't give them the tools they needed to set up healthy expectations. It's because they chose to allow their own thinking to blind them from truth. The Lord began to show me a few months ago was that 
there were certain areas in my life where I was being just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the people who were like, well, he hasn't come yet. Because <laughs> if he came, it would have looked like this. <laughs> and the Lord was like, well, except, like, let's actually look at your life. You're assuming or accusing, even accusing me of not having come through the way that you thought that I would. But did I ever say that I would? Like, where did that idea of what it should look like or how it should come to pass, where did, where did that start? Oftentimes, unhealthy expectations are an over-exaggerated, idealized version of what could have been a healthy expectation. I'm going to say that again. Oftentimes, and I would say probably even most often, unhealthy expectations are an over-exaggerated, idealized version of what could have been a healthy expectation. So I want to be Kyle's friend. In my mind, that means that I'm like, hey, Kyle, how's it going? And he responds with like, Rachel, it's going so good. I've missed you. Like, let's go get coffee and hang out. And boom, like we're best buds. But in reality, what happened? I said, hey, Kyle, what's up? He goes, nothing. How you doing? I'm like, I'm doing great. And he walks away. He didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't rude. He was kind. He gave me eye contact. He answered my question. He engaged me. And yet, because I wanted to be besties with Kyle, and that looked like five steps later, all of a sudden, I'm really mad and really offended because he didn't meet my expectation. But I never communicated to Kyle, hey, there's just something about you that I'm so drawn to, the way that you love Jesus. I want what you carry to rub off in my life. Like, can, can we hang out more? Let's, let's go get coffee sometime or something. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Maybe, hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> but what I did was I clearly communicated an expectation, which then set him up to meet that expectation. The Lord, all throughout Scripture, has clearly communicated his part in this story. Very clearly. More clearly than any of the healthiest human beings on the face of the earth could communicate. Because he's way better than all of us, praise God. And so again, I just want to highlight this point. Expectations are not bad. They become unhealthy when we create our own storyline in our head that projects an expectation onto somebody without them realizing that we're projecting it. And then all of a sudden we get offended at them for not doing it. We do the same thing with the Lord all the time. All the time. And I'm, I'm saying this to you guys again because this is something the Lord has been checking me on a lot. Because I would see him moving in somebody's life in a certain way. I would see in a service somebody feeling the power or the presence of God in a certain way and manifesting. And I'd be like, I want that. How come I'm not getting it? And I like created all this like reasons as to why. Maybe I do all this warfare, whatever. But I, I do all this stuff. And he's like, excuse me. Do you not feel my peace right now? Do you not feel the warmth of my embrace right now? Is that not enough for you? What if I want to do that in them and something else in you? Are you going to be satisfied with me just touching you? And because I created this idea that like 
Surely because I'm not shaking and twitching, you're not touching me like you're touching them. The fruit of the Spirit isn't shaking and twitching. It could happen. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God's presence ruling and reigning in my life actually looks a lot like being flooded and overwhelmed with peace and joy and love and gentleness and tenderness, feeling the nearness and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Maybe I'll twitch here and there. But if I don't, I don't want to overlook the fact that I have the fullness of the richest blessings of God in Christ Jesus because I'm not twitching. That's just me. If y'all want to twitch, go after it. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, hunger for it. But hunger for it with healthy expectation. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for doubt and cynicism toward the Lord, offense and bitterness towards the Lord, distrust that could produce unhealth in your whole system. So like I said before, oftentimes unhealthy expectations start as an over-exaggerated, idealized version of what could have been a healthy expectation. Frequently this happens because we focus so much on one detail. Oftentimes the one that we like the most or that we think is the most appropriate. We focus so much on that, it makes the most sense to us, that we miss the rest of the possibilities. We go like, oh, when God moves, it'll look like that. Because last week when God touched me and he moved, it looked like that. So it's going to look like that again. And we forget that God is huge. In Job 36, I think it's Elihu, Joseph's friend, or Job's friend says, Behold, God is great and we do not know him. We don't know him. When something doesn't happen exactly as we thought that it would or should happen, we either miss it because we're looking for a specific thing to happen. So when something else happens, we're totally blinded to it because we're looking for this one thing that we're zeroed in on. So we either miss it entirely. We accuse the thing that does happen of being fake and we dismiss it because if it was real, it would look like this, but instead it looks like this. So that can't be real. So let me just ignore that. Or we acknowledge it and we just choose to be offended. I'm being very specific by saying choose to be offended because offense is always a choice. Offense loves to be sneaky and blame it on the other person that offended me, but it's always my choice to be offended. If we're walking in love, according to 1 Corinthians 13, love is not easily offended. It's not irritable. It doesn't get pricked very easily and stirred up to bad stuff. I want to talk about having a biblical approach to expectations. The Bible talks about this. Praise the Lord. He's so kind. <laughs> he knows our frame. He knows our weakness. Proverbs 13, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When we're hoping for something and we're expecting something to happen in a certain way that the Lord never clearly communicated it was a possibility for it to happen that way, but we've projected our own storyline onto it. Oftentimes when the thing doesn't happen, it's hope deferred. I was hoping for something to happen, but it didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen. And now my heart is sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So here's the thing, guys. What I'm after is lots of trees of life springing up in my heart and in y'all's. 
And I know that's what the Lord's after too, otherwise he wouldn't have put it on my heart. And I believe that's why we have the scripture in the first place. Because he's showing us, listen, when you have a desire and it's a healthy desire that lines up with what I've communicated to you could be and what I want to do in your life, it's always gonna get fulfilled because the promises of God are yes and amen or all the promises of God find their yes in him. So everything he said he was gonna do, he's gonna do as we remain in him, as we abide in him. And as that desire is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. Not only is a tree alive, but a living tree actually produces a lot more fruit. It provides shade and shelter to those around it. It's a safety. It stands out. This is what the Lord is after in our hearts. Jesus himself said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. It's good to have expectation. It's good. We can rightly expect that as we hunger and thirst for righteousness that we will be filled. Why? Because Jesus himself said it. Like, let's take him seriously. Maybe the issue isn't that I'm hungering and thirsting or I'm not hungering and thirsting because I'm going, why am I not being filled? Well, is what I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Like, maybe I should actually get in the word and find out. Maybe there's things in my heart that I think that I'm hungering and thirsting for that are good and maybe they don't actually fully align with scripture. And I'm wondering why Jesus isn't doing what he said he would do. And rather than going, well, if you're always good and you're always right and you're always perfect in all of your ways, if you promised something was gonna be the case and I'm not experiencing it, come and show me. I love how David says it in Psalm 139. He says, search me and know my heart and see if there be any wickedness and lead me in the way everlasting. He's going, listen, I think I know what's going on inside of me, but you know me way better. Like you form me in my mother's womb. You know all my thoughts before I even think them. All the things, it's you. So can you come? I'm inviting you to come in and search me and know me. Show if there's anything inside of me that doesn't perfectly align with you, show me. Because I wanna be led in the way of everlasting life. And I can't do that when there's wickedness in my heart. Wickedness is a really strong word. I think sometimes we're afraid to say those kinds of words because that's just about the bad guys. But the reality is, is that there's a part of you that doesn't have Jesus in it, it's wicked. And the only way that we're ever gonna get free from that thing is when we actually just call it what it is. So let's hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hebrews 6, Derek talked about this earlier. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. A lot of versions say diligently seek him. This is promise. He's going to do it. He said it. We must believe that he exists, that he really is God, that he really is real, that he really is who he says he is, and that as we diligently seek him, he will reward us. Oftentimes we could see reward and think, oh, reward must look like this, 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 or this. And when we don't have this, 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 or this show up, we think, well, I tried that, didn't work. I guess I'll just sit here and wait for you to touch me. Doubt, cynicism, distrust, offense. It creeps in real slow, guys. David, I love how he says this. He says, God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. 
So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. He just said the whole thing right there. He's saying, you're my God, right? I believe that God exists. God, you're my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Diligently, I'm seeking you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And then what happens? So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. He's acknowledging the fact that as he has come, as he's acknowledged God, as he's earnestly sought after God, as he's cried out that he has seen the power and the glory of the Lord in his sanctuary. That was his life. And he was saying this while he was on the run for his life, literally like hiding out in caves. He was being for real when he said, my soul thirsts for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Like that's really where he was. Like straight up desert, there was no water. He needed that. My heart is just so stirred for us to be freed from all of the unhealthy expectations that we've put on the Lord that have translated into unmet expectations that have in turn caused areas of our hearts to shut down to him. And oftentimes we don't even realize that that's the case because our whole heart hasn't shut down. Oftentimes it's just one little area. but all it takes is that one little area. And my heart is now, there's a block between me and the Lord. It's not because he put it there. The natural human response to an unmet expectation, especially an expectation that's repeatedly unmet, it's actually, it's fascinating if you look into some studies. Uh, unmet expectations, fun fact, is actually the number one uh, leading cause of divorce. And I just love how Jesus refers to us as his bride. But the studies show that when, uh, what I'm referencing right now is a book called The Relationship Cure. It's by a man named John Gottman and he's a phenomenal researcher of human behavior and communication and all sorts of stuff. Um, but they actually did a study, I think it was in the 90s, and I'm not going to get into details just for the sake of time, but they studied all these married couples and their interactions with each other, some who were in really healthy marriages and some who were like on the verge of divorce. And what they found out was that in both parties, even the ones with the healthiest marriages, the healthiest relationships, that when one of them like reached out for communication so like the example would be before when I said, hey, Kyle, how's it going? If Kyle just turned and walked away from me or he ignored me. In those scenarios, in this study, almost 100%, it was like 80%, don't quote me on that number, but it was somewhere, it was a high, high percentage of people when they put something out there and it wasn't responded with the way that they expected it to, they actually didn't even have the courage to try again. And so the natural human response to unmet expectations, especially repeatedly unmet expectations. So even if you have the courage to go back a second time and it's unmet again, the natural response is that either we lower the expectation till it's met. So if we keep lowering our expectation level, eventually, like if, I'm, if Kyle's down here and I'm up here, my expectation's up here, 
eventually if I lower my expectation enough, it'll reach to where Kyle's at, the expectation will be met and we're, we're good. But that's really a lie because all the lowering that I just did was just like disappointment after disappointment after offense after offense. So that doesn't even really count. <laughs> but we'll just lower our expectations however low is required until it's met, even if that means we're not gonna be satisfied. Sometimes we'll even lower it all the way until it pretty much no longer exists. It's like, well, I can't really even expect anything from you anymore. Because <laughs> time and time and time and time again, it's just not happened like I thought it would. But I would like to propose to us today that the risk associated with lowering or removing our expectation of the Lord and of what he'll do is far greater than the risk of our expectation being unmet. In fact, like I said before, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, any unmet expectation, the fault never lies with him. So what would happen is in our cultivating expectancy, in our cultivating healthy expectations in our relationship with the Lord, what would happen is every time one of those expectations wasn't met, rather than viewing it as an opportunity for offense and an excuse to let my heart shut down to the Lord, we actually viewed it as an opportunity for freedom from that offense, which is maturity and love, right? Because love is not easily offended. Or as an opportunity for increased faith. I mean, I love the story of Abraham. In, in Hebrews, it talks about Abraham, or in, in Romans as well. But it talks about how like he had so much hope and faith. He had so much belief in the Lord actually fulfilling the promise that he gave that against all hope, he still believed. He was like, well, my expectation's not met. I don't see how this is gonna happen. I'm old, my wife's old. Like, have you seen her? You know what, let's just try it our own way. And like, that didn't work. So he has all these unmet expectations. He projects his own storyline of like what it should look like, how it has to happen, massively fails, screws up like literally nations to this day are still at strife because of that mistake. But because he still chose to believe that the Lord would come through, it was counted to him as a righteousness. Like his biggest screw up that we're still feeling today in the nations was counted to him as righteousness. Because the posture of his heart was, well, that didn't happen as I thought it would, but you said it would happen, so I'm gonna come back again. And I'm gonna believe you're actually gonna still do something with this because you said you would do it. Pierce, you guys can come on up. I'm gonna pray really quick and then we're gonna go into, uh, this is a ministry time we've got about 15, 20 minutes left. So I really want us to press in here together. Um, Holy Spirit, just come right now. Increase your presence right now. As I was uh, preparing this message, I was working on it on Friday night and I just got flooded so strongly with this like tender, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was like the Father's heart like I've never experienced it for you guys. And it was so sweet. And I just felt him like, I felt his longing for us again. I just felt this stirring of like, <laughs> he's, he's been there. He's always been there. He's never left. He's, 
he's held on to every single one of his promises. He's, he's done them. He's made good on them. And yet, most if not all of us here today, if we really, 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 just like David, allow the Lord to come and search us and know us and see if there be any area of our hearts that's not fully in agreement and alignment, there'd be at least one thing. There's probably a lot more than that if we're really honest because we're, we're still in the process of sanctification. But we're getting there. And my heart's prayer has been that in me creating unhealthy expectations of the Lord, because I've chosen to think that my thought process and the way that I expect it to happen actually makes more sense or would be better than whatever in his infinite wisdom and knowledge and even knowing me better than I know me and seeing the end from the beginning and knowing every single one of my steps and every single one of my thoughts that somehow I could think that my expectation of what should happen, which would be the best option, when that's not met, it's like there's a part of my heart that divorces him. And yet he's a bridegroom, he's in love with a bride. And he's waiting, beckoning the father. Is it time yet? Can I go get my bride? And the Father is waiting for a bride who has made herself ready. That's what it says in Revelation 19. The bride has made herself ready. It's not the Father has prepared the bride. It's the bride has made herself ready, ready and the Father presented her. And so my prayer has been, Lord, I love how Mike Bickle, he's the, the founder and the director of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. He says, whatever these areas of offense were like the Lord where he realized that there's a part of him that's like not fully aligned with truth that he thought it was and it's not. He's like, Lord, offend me now because I'd rather be offended now with the part of me that's not in agreement with you than when I stand before you in the judgment seat. It's really vulnerable to come before the Lord and go, hey, show me every area that I'm screwing up right now. That's terrifying, especially if we have not the greatest views of who the God, our Father is. But I would much rather have to face that reality now, get my heart set free, have the desire fulfilled producing a tree of life in me for the rest of my days here on the earth and stand before him completely pure, completely spotless, a bride made ready, having nothing to hide from him on that day. So I want to take these next 15 minutes and I've got a few questions I'm going to put up on the slide, but um, if the Lord is ministering to your heart right now and he's speaking to you about things that I'm not about to talk about, go there with him. We don't need to try to stir things up and put expectations on our own junk. That's actually not really there. <laughs> a lot of times I think we actually put a lot of focus on what we think must be the problem and it distracts us from just looking at Jesus. And the enemy's like, ha, I won again. All they see is how messed up they are and they're not even looking at how good God is. Wait, did I just say that? Whoops. Um, but seriously though, let's not be so distracted by trying to dig up our junk and figure out what's going on that we actually miss the Holy Spirit speaking to us because maybe he wants to speak to us about something else. 
I remember one time I, I took a, a sabbatical just to work on some stuff, some inner healing things. And I literally like went into this two month period with a list of things where I was like, well, I know that this isn't a wound from my past that needs to get healed. I know that this moment in my life when I was like six years old really negatively affected me and I'm still dealing with the repercussions. So I literally went to the Lord and I was like, all right, item number one, let's go on this list. Heal me of this. Like, show me where it started. I'm not kidding you. This is real life. And this was like four years ago. So y'all think I'm really put together and mature. Aw. I'm a mess. But praise God, he loves me. Um, <laughs> and I got really offended at the Lord because for two weeks it was dead silent. And I was like, I came here to meet with you. Like, I could still be doing my life. I cut everything out because you told me to come here and meet with you so you could heal me. And you're not even healing me of the things I need to be healed with. And he's like, what if there's another way? Like, what if I don't want to talk to you about that? And praise God, I actually had a friend who literally asked me that question. He's like, she's like, well, have you ever considered that maybe the reason that the Lord's not talking is not because he's not talking, but it's actually because you're listening for the wrong thing? And I was like, hmm. And it took me like three days to face that and get over it and be like, okay, Lord, then what do you want to talk about? And guess what? He spoke and I heard. And I was offended at what he said because it didn't match up with my list. And I didn't understand how something so stupid and minuscule that didn't make any sense would actually result in my freedom. But you know what happened? A month went by, nothing on that list that I actually have a conversation with the Lord about. But every single thing that was messed up in my life that I thought was rooted in those situations, the symptoms were totally gone. Because I just chose to listen and respond. I chose to face the offense in my heart, allow myself to see how ugly I was. I got scared of myself. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like so often we're so scared to see the junk inside of us. He's not even scared of that, he already sees it. But we're so scared of it that we don't actually come to him. We don't let him in and then we wonder why he's silent. And so all that to say, the Lord put a few points on my heart that for those of you who are like, maybe like, I don't feel anything. I don't know how I would even respond to this right now. Maybe one of these points will help jumpstart a conversation with the Lord. But if he's already speaking to you and has nothing to do with those points, please listen to him. Ignore everything I'm saying. Ignore everything these guys sing. Commune with the Holy Spirit. Because he's your direct line to the Father and to the Son. number one maybe today your response is going to be repentance maybe in a general sense or in a specific area the Lord is highlighting to you that you've lowered your expectations maybe even to the point of having zero expectation left in your life when it comes to something that the Lord has spoken or promised over you and again this could be a general thing this could just be a general biblical promise this could be like a broad strokes thing in your life or it could be a very specific thing Maybe a personal promise that he's spoken over your life that you're not seeing come to pass like you thought it would. Or maybe a specific promise in scripture where you're like, I'm really wrestling with this. I don't think that you're actually gonna do it like you said you would. Number two, maybe, maybe you're realizing that you've had unhealthy expectations, but you don't really know where to go. Ask the Lord to redefine expectations in your life. Ask him, where have I had unhealthy expectations? And guys, when you ask, stop and listen. The first thing you hear, assume that it's him. 
because He's a God whose ear is inclined to hear us and He's a God who responds to us when we ask. Whatever He tells you, just go with it in faith. And then ask Him, how do you wanna reshape those unhealthy expectations into biblically supported healthy expectations? Because remember, most unhealthy expectations actually started as a healthy one. They just got idealized or we hyper-focused on one specific area. So ask Him, what about this is actually you and I've just created my own, ti- own storyline or my own timeline on it that's got it kind of messy in the way. And third, let's just ask for fresh grace to cultivate a lifestyle of expectancy. I wanna live in this reality. Every day I wanna wake up expecting that he's gonna move because he said he would. But I don't want that expectation to have to look a certain way. I wanna be just as satisfied with just resting in the peace of his presence as I would if I was twitching and going crazy. I wanna be just as satisfied with somebody else having a prophetic word for me than I would if I heard the voice of the Lord for myself or just as satisfied when the Lord speaks to me as I would be if the prophet spoke to me. How many times do we want the man or the woman of God to speak to us and God's like, hello, I'm talking. So I'm gonna pray and then, home group leaders, uh, leadership team, if you would come up here to pray. If you would like prayer in agreement with any of these areas or even something else, we want to pray with you. Um, Home group leaders, prayer team, come on up, please. Thank you. A lot of times there's so much power in agreement and we believe that. So if you're going, I don't know how to do this and you just need somebody to pray with you and talk it through with you, we're here. If you've got healing that you need in your body, come get prayer. And Pierce is just gonna lead us into a time of worship and um, I have zero expectations of what this looks like for you guys. I don't care if every single person is sitting. I don't care if you're on your face crying. I don't care if you stand and jump around. Let's just ask Holy Spirit what he wants to do with us and respond. Lord, we just give this time to you. Come and have your way, Father.